Be dazzled this holiday season by Northern Virginia's largest drive-through light show at Bull Run Festival of Lights. Celebrate the holidays as a family while staying warm and cozy. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow through two and a half miles of dazzling displays in Bull Run Regional Park in Centerville, Virginia. Plan your visit now. When you visit by mid-December, you'll save. Get your tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, One Church in Global Locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am. Because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win. In Jesus' name, remain standing. I want you to go to this scripture. Go uh, to Proverbs 24, verse number 16. Say, what do I do when I feel like a failure? Say it again. What do I do when I feel like I failed, messed up? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man... Now, 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 Jesus made us righteous. When he died, he did what's called imputed righteousness, which means, watch this, uh, all I have to do is receive his righteousness. What's righteousness, Bishop? Right standing with God, which means I'm not trying to act righteous to become righteous because he made us righteous. I can live righteously. Amen. Say, I'm in right standing with God. Yeah, uh, despite all your mistakes, Jesus still gave you an opportunity to be in right standing with God. Despite your failures, despite your mess ups, despite whatever it is, touch your neighbor and say, I'm still righteous. Here it is, Proverbs 24, 16. It says this, for a righteous man. So now we know since a righteous man would be you and I, put your name there. For may have fallen seven times. Now, touch your neighbor and say, there's, there's a miracle in that. Say, there's good news in that. Because seven is completion. In biblical numerology, seven is the number of completion, which means I had some failures, but those failures were really completing me. I, I, I need you to high five your neighbor and say, I know it hurt, but it was really helping you. Say, I know it frustrated you, but it was really completing you. Four, say your name, may fall seven times. Watch this. And... You, you missed it. You missed it. Because right now somebody's in their failure, which feels like a fall. But watch this. And, shout and, rise again. You, you missed it. Ho, 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 ho. You, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. It's so simple. You missed it. Leave the verse up. It says, for, say your name, may fall seven times. Watch this. But because of Jesus, he doesn't say he may rise again. Doesn't say he might rise again. Doesn't say it's a possibility he's going to rise again. He said, I may have failed, but here's the truth. 
I am rising again. Let me talk over here because they ain't saying nothing over here. Four, say your name. May fall seven times. Watch this. As long as Jesus is in the equation, watch what the promise is. You're rising again. Do me a favor and touch your neighbor on the shoulder and say, neighbor, I don't care what you feel like now. It's time to rise up again. Say, this is your comeback. This is your bounce back. Say, it starts right now. Give him praise if you believe what you said. I said, give him praise if you believe what you said. Father, speak to us now that you customize, tailor make this word for us, your people, that we would move and walk in everything that you have ordained. Father, I pray now that you would speak in such a poignant and profound way that everybody under the sound of my voice would believe, Father, that there's been cameras in their house, believe that somehow we've been spying on them, speak in such a way that we'd get into the very depths of the vicissitudes that your people have been facing. And today I pray that you would cause them to rise again out of failure, out of discouragement, out of depression, out of defeat, out of whatever they've been facing. I declare it's rising time. I declare that they've spent enough time in the valley. they spent enough time stuck in that failure. It is time to rise again. Why? Now is the time for the saints of the Most High God to rise up and to possess the kingdom, who you said we could be and what you said we could have. And we thank you that it is so in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, tell somebody the message. Say, what do you do when you feel like a failure? What do you do? You can be seated. We are in now a life-giving message series called American Idols to demolish the idols that have been created by misinformation and misunderstandings about God's word. And today I want to demolish the idol of failure by teaching you what to do when you feel like a failure. Now, somebody might ask the question, Bishop, how is it that failure is an idol? Watch this. Failure becomes an idol and an idol is something that is worshipped other than God because many people never properly process failure. So rather than experience failure... Uh, they become failures. Rather than experiencing mistakes, they become a mistake. And if that's been you, lay your hands on yourself and say, I'm not a failure anymore. You miss the principle. Failure can become an idol because you don't process it properly and you get stuck in it rather than benefiting from it. You get uh, down in the valley rather than realizing that the valley is simply the, a, a prerequisite to a mountain. Now, watch this. Failure is defined as the state or condition of not meeting a desirable or intended an objective. And it is often viewed as the opposite of success. And here's what you need to know. Everybody will fail at something sometime. But if you feel like a failure or you've experienced some failures, you must properly process it. Say, I must properly process it. See, failure is loss, and loss causes you to grieve. And some of the emotional turmoil you're in right now is because you failed at something you thought you should have succeeded at, and you are in the stages of grief. Y'all not saying nothing. There are five stages of grief, see, because failure is loss, and whenever we experience loss in life, whether it is real or perceived, our mind takes us through the process of grief. And so watch this. The reason you've been moody, the reason you've been up and down, the reason you've been uh, unsure of whether you're coming or going is because you've been grieved and didn't know it and when you're grieving you don't act like yourself when you're grieving you forget who you are when you're grieving you forget everything you've been taught but I came to speak it into somebody's life today touch your neighbor and say I'm coming out of that today that was the wrong number try the neighbor try the other one say I'm coming out of that today 
Watch this. Here are the stages of grief. Number one, denial. This is when you deny that the event is happening and you begin to withdraw uh, from your normal routine. You withdraw from the normal things that you do that you know produce are productive for you. Say denial. That's the first stage of grief. And whenever you begin to have failure in life, you will be in denial. How do you know you're in denial? Because you start blaming other people because you deny that the situation was caused by you. Y'all not going to say nothing. Uh, you know that you're in denial because it ain't your fault that you failed. It's your neighbor's fault that you failed. It's your mom and them fault that you failed. It's the church people's fault that you failed. It's bishop's fault that you failed. No, no, no. Touch your neighbor and say, that's just grief talking. The second stage of grief is anger. Anger, it is common during this stage for a person to lash out when they are grieving and they begin to ask the question, why? And they can begin to get angry at others and themselves and God because they are in the stages of grief. And when you're angry, you're not yourself. We talked about anger in last week's message because anger is one letter away from danger. This is why people start having crazy outbursts. You ever looked at somebody and said, why are you acting this way? Where did all of this extra come from? Where did all this emotionalism come from? It's because they're in the stage of grief that makes them angry and anger is nothing more than a signal emotion. What do you mean, Bishop? You're not angry about what you're angry about. You're angry about something else and anger's trying to point you and say, there's a problem over here. The next stage of grief is bargaining. Bargaining is when people begin to make deals with God. You know how we make deals with God. God, I'll be a better person if you do this. God, if you get me out of this, I'll do this. God, if th nobody's ever bargained with God until 11.15, your neighbor is a master negotiator with God. They try to cut backroom deals with God all the time. God, if you get me out of this mess, I promise I'll do this. If you get me out of this mess, I promise I'll do this. During the bargaining stage of grief, we begin to try to do things. We say shoulda, coulda, and... Uh -huh. because we're bargaining with ourselves we're bargaining with God we begin to make deals and those deals are designed to make us uh, avoid the actual scenario to avoid the actual failure because the deal is I don't want to feel like a failure so let me make a deal so I don't feel that way anymore are you still here the next stage of grief is depression. The, whenever discouragement isn't properly handled, it turns into depression. And depression is the feeling of giving up and not caring anymore. This is why you see people that were once gladiators look like little girls. That were once gladiators look like little boys. Y'all not saying nothing. Because they're in a stage of life where it feels like I might as well just give up. I don't care anymore. Watch this. I don't care how I look. I don't care how I talk. I don't care how I act. I don't care what I say because I'm numb. I am anesthetized to what's going on around me anybody ever felt like that where you just didn't care y'all ain't gonna be honest with me you ever woke up in the morning and said I just don't care I, truth be told I really don't even want to get in the car truth be told I wish somebody would say something to me I'll cuss y'all ain't gonna be honest with me you ever felt in a place in life where you were just numb I just I'm going through the motions my body's here but my mind is stuck in my failure my body's here but I can't figure out why I can't win my mind my body's here but another ah. what's this depression say depression you feel like giving up and not caring anymore. And people who are in that stage of depression often report a feeling of being numb. And the final stage, the final stage of grief is acceptance. Watch this. The individual accepts what has happened. Say five stages. What's first stage? Denial. Second stage? Anger. Third stage? Bargaining. Fourth stage? Depression. Fifth stage? Acceptance. I love it that there's five stages. Someone said, Bishop, why? Uh, somebody say, Bishop, why? Bishop, why? 
Because five in biblical numerology, see, every number has a significant spiritual meaning attached to it. Five is the number of grace. And in case you don't know what grace is, grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. Y'all not saying nothing. Grace is when God adds his super to your natural. Grace is when God gives you favor. Grace is when God lets you have stuff you don't qualify for. Touch your neighbor and say, you know about grace. Yeah, because it's been grace that you're still here today. That's why the song said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It's his grace that got you here today. Not your degrees, not your reputation, not your background, but his grace. So these five stages indicate even to us from a psychological standpoint that God is behind the scenes of grief working out something greater called grace. You missed it. God has the ability to work out something that's psychological and turn it into something that is spiritual. And even though you're in stages of grief because of failure, God says, but I'm really working something spiritual called grace. You missed it. Uh, Testing it says, stay with Bishop. What's that final stage? Acceptance. Acceptance. It's the last stage of grief recovery. It means I have now processed what I needed to process and I'm coming out of it. I've learned what I needed to learn and I'm coming out of it. I've got the grace I needed to receive. Now it's time for me to press forward. Let me tell you what today is. Say, what's today, Bishop? Uh, watch this experiencing a failure doesn't make you a failure and making mistakes doesn't make you one but today is your day to accept where and how you failed and now it's time to rise up and properly process it you missed it touch your neighbor say today's acceptance day yeah come on let's just make the enemy mad and say i failed sure did i made some mistakes sure did i didn't do it right sure did but let the redeem of the lord say I did everything you said I did, but I'm not who you said I am. Touch your name and say, just accept it, accept it. Just accept that was a bad investment. Just accept that was a bad relationship decision. Just accept that was a bad money decision. Just accept it. Touch your name and say, accept it. You, your role ain't ready for the first point. And let me tell you how I know they're not ready. Because when you can accept it, you ain't crying about it no more. When you can accept it, you, matter of fact, you look at it and laugh at yourself and say, God, dog, what were you thinking? So, so I'm going to give y'all one more shot. And if not, we'll just stop it right here and have to pick this up some other time. T -t -t Touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, it's acceptance time. L look at me. Look at me. It didn't go the way you wanted to. Maybe it's because of you. Maybe it's because somebody else. Truth be told, you. Just, just tell the truth. All right, accept that. They left you. Accept that. You sitting up here, Facebook stalking. Twitter stalking. Instagram stalking. Just accept it. You lost some money. Just accept it. You sitting here still trying to figure out how to get your $25 back. Maybe you shouldn't have bought that car. Just accept it. Y'all not talking to me. Maybe you did have to file bankruptcy. Accept it. Maybe you did lose the house. Accept it. Maybe you thought you should be further along. Your five-year plan had you a lot further than you are now. Accept that you're not there. Touch your neighbor and say, just accept it. And say, then rise up from it.
I need you to take 20 seconds to just say, I accept whatever failures I've had. I, I'm not going to be mad about it. I ain't going to be depressed about it. I, I just accept it. Sure, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to. I accept it. Somebody holler in here, I accept it. See, because, because if you won't accept it, then you can't process it. So I must accept it to process it. Now, here, here it is, point number one. Let me tell you how to do that. Because watch this. It's not enough to just, uh, to just have failure. You have to properly process failure. So you have to process it properly. Come on, talk to me, 11, 15. So you have to process it properly. Here it is, first point. Properly process failure fuels success. Properly process failure fuels success. Being a Christian doesn't mean every swing you take will be a home run. Being a Christian means that when you strike out, you will bounce back. That's why the text said, uh, though a righteous man falls seven times and rise again. In other words, God says, it's my expectation that after failure, you get yourself up and make it happen. It's my expectation that after being let down, you get back up. It's not the end. Sure, that it's good. Say, that's God's expectation. Now, uh, that's why 2 Corinthians 2.14 says this. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Now, say so he always leads us in triumph. Now, now watch this. Here's what I need to get. Leads in triumph there in the Greek language of our New Testament. It means to conquer and give victory over. Uh, the part to shout about is always. Look at the verse. Now, thanks be to God who what? always leads us in what triumph now, now wait a minute bishop because aren't we talking about failure so if we always are led in triumph how is it uh, that uh, uh, i had a failure well it says as christians here's how it works uh, uh, even if we fail watch this we can't look at it as loss for a christian touch your neighbor say that's me and if it ain't you in a few minutes it's gonna be you uh it's win watch this or learn Because since he always leads me in triumph, even in my failures, I just chalk it up as a lesson. Y'all not saying nothing. Which means you didn't waste those years. You were learning in those years. I want to preach to somebody. You didn't waste that money. You were learning how not to spend your money. You, you didn't waste time in that relationship. You were learning what not to get up into the next time. What's this? What's this? What's this? Because Romans 8, 28, and we know he makes all things work together for our good. Now, now say, it's working for me. Say, my failure is working for me. Let me give you some examples because you still, you still think you're the only one that's ever failed. You still think you're the only one that ever made some bad decisions. You still think you're, no, you say, no, I don't think I'm the only one, but you act like you're the only one. How? Because you go around all mad and sad and depressed and I can't believe this and I can't believe that and I can't believe that and watch this. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody knows. And you walking around and to everybody you can tell your sad story to. You looking for somebody to tell. You sitting up, ain't even getting work done. You costing your company money because y'all sitting up having illegal counseling sessions. I just going through so much. No, you, you are being led in triumph. Which means even in my failure, I'm still winning. I'm not saying that. Even in my loss, I'm still winning. Would you touch your neighbor and say, because I'm a Christian, even in my failure, I'm still winning. According to the Huffington Post, Bill Gates' first business failed. You know Bill Gates. 
He gave you windows. Watch this. Gates' first company, which was called Traffle Data, failed miserably. And when Gates and his partner, Paul Allen, tried to sell it, the product wouldn't even work. Gates and Allen didn't let that stop them from trying again, though. And he bounced back. And $76 billion later. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm still winning, still winning. Jim Carrey, you, you know him, you, you know Jim Carrey. He used to be homeless, and he revealed on the show inside the actor's studio, and when he was 15, he had to drop out of school to support his family, and they eventually had to start living in a van. But Carrey went on to, uh, from having his dad drive him to comedy clubs in Toronto to starting in mega blockbusters. Okay, another example. Benjamin Franklin dropped out of school at age 10. As Franklin, uh, Franklin's parents could only afford to keep him in school until his 10th birthday. He taught himself uh, through reading and eventually went on to invent the lightning rod and bifocals. Oh, and became one of America's founding fathers. And his face is on every $100 bill, which means he said, you're going to remember me. Would you touch your neighbor and say, you're going to be remembered. You're going to be remembered. Now, I know you feel insignificant now. They're going to remember you. That's why the Bible says you are a living epistle. You are a letter being written to somebody that even after failure, there is life. Let me give you another example because apparently you need another one. Oprah Winfrey gave birth at age 14 and lost her child. She was molested and she eventually ran away from home and at age 14 gave birth to a baby boy who shortly died thereafter. But $2.9 billion and a TV network later. Y'all yeah, yeah. ain't getting that. You ain't getting that. Thomas Edison failed 1,000 times before creating the light bulb. Now, the exact number of tries has been debated, ranging from 1,000 to 10,000 attempts. But it's safe to say Edison tried and failed a whole lot before he successfully created the beacon of light. His response to his repeated failures was this quote, I have not failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Touch your neighbor say, you're still winning. Uh, Dr. Seuss. First children's book, uh, uh, which was called And to Think I Saw That on a Melbourne Street, was refused by 27 publishers, but he bounced back and over a half a billion books later. Okay, Will Smith's life got flipped, turned upside down when he owed the IRS $2.8 million in taxes in 1989, but he bounced back and starred in the second highest grossing film in U.S. history called Independence Day. Y'all ain't getting it. Michael Jordan was rejected from his high school varsity basketball team, but he bounced back and six NBA championships later. Okay, I might as well just preach to the walls. We don't know if these people are Christians or not, but failure wasn't their end. Watch this. And 1 John 4, 4 says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, which means if it could happen for them, and we don't even know if they were Christians, look at the name and say, what's possible for you? I need somebody to give them a praise on what's possible for you. If it happened for them, greater is he that is in you than such a neighbor say, I'm still winning, still winning. All right, so let me go to the Bible and call the role of the Bible since maybe you didn't understand those examples. Moses was a failure. He came up with excuses and he said, God, I'm not good enough. And in fact, when he went to do what God told him to do for 10 times, every time he went to Pharaoh, he failed. But Exodus 7 and 1 says that he would be as God unto Pharaoh. He was a failure, but he bounced back. He was a failure, but he still won. Touch your neighbor and say, if he did it for Moses, he'll do it for me. Uh, David had a failure. Her name was Bathsheba. Yet the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Abraham failed to take care of his son Ishmael. Yet he's called the father of many nations. Peter denied Jesus. Yet Jesus said, feed my sheep. Paul made the Corinthians spiritually inferior but not teaching them to give. Yet he wrote much of the New Testament. Joseph, can I keep calling the roll? 
Joseph looked like a failure because he told his dream to the wrong people and they sold him into slavery. It was his brothers, by the way. And he became a slave and he sold to the Midianites, then sold to Potiphar, a captain in Pharaoh's army. And because he wouldn't lie with Potiphar's wife, he gets sent to prison, but he's sent to the king's prison. And while he's there, he meets the chief butler and a chief baker, uh, a chief baker, and eventually he gets promoted by Pharaoh to be the prime minister of the land. Uh, maybe you don't know those people, so let me give you the most famous. Jesus, while he was hanging on that tree, all of his haters said, look at him failing. I thought he was king of kings. I thought he was lord of lords. But Jesus said, baby, give me three days. Give me three days and what looks like a failure, you're going to watch me win. Touch your neighbor say, watch me win. He looked like a failure. Jesus looked like a failure. You're so great, God. Why can't you come down off that cross? Because they didn't understand that Jesus says, I'm properly processing this. Touch your neighbor say, properly process it. Uh-huh. Jesus said, listen, what looks like failure to you is only me becoming a seed. And unless a seed dies, there cannot be a harvest, there cannot be life. So if I don't go through this, the whole world dies. So it looks like failure now. Okay, are y'all speaking the King's English today? Say, it looks like failure now, but it's just fueling success. Watch this. Let me give you some scriptures to help you out. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Ecclesiastes 10.10. Jesus looked like a failure. That's amazing. Because we celebrate him as king of kings. We celebrate him as lord of lords. We celebrate him as all these wonderful things. But just imagine what it was for him to have power and authority. And he's sitting there. He's sitting over there. Looking like a failure. And all of his haters are saying, told you. I knew he wasn't going to be nothing. I knew he wasn't going to do nothing significant. I wonder who said stuff like that to you. I wonder what relative whispered to you. Nobody in our family has ever done this. Nobody in our bloodline's ever done this. Somebody's pulling. I wonder, watch this, what you've been whispering to yourself. You always mess up. You always screw up. You always do things wrong. What's your problem, Chauncey? What are you doing? Oh, can I help you with something? Say properly processed, properly processed. failure, yes. fuel success. Ecclesiastes 10.10, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesia, it's written to church folk. He says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. Watch this. But wisdom brings what? Success. Say wisdom brings success. Now, let me tell you how you get wise. Ecclesiastes 1.18. Now, you can be taught wisdom, but your neighbor this year wouldn't be taught. So, there's some stuff they had to go through. See, it's either taught or caught. T -t Touch your neighbor and say, let me tell you why you had to go through that. Okay, I'm going to need you to change neighbors because I'm not hearing that neighbor speak to you loud enough. So change neighbors. Say, let me tell you why you had to go through that. Now, the book said, now that's the right neighbor. Stick with them. Stick with them. It, stick with them. Stick with them. We like the other one. We love the other one. But just that one right there was the right one. Let me tell you how you get wisdom. Ecclesiastes 1.18. For in much wisdom, if you don't shout, I'll shout for you, is much grief. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You ain't saying nothing. 
Let me tell you something since you ain't saying nothing. Remember, failure is loss. Loss produces grief. For in much wisdom is much grief, which is loss, which is failure, which means my failures are making me, what? y'all not saying nothing to me. Touch your neighbor, say it was good for you. Say you needed to fail. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. The difference between the guy at the top and the guy at the bottom is the guy at the top has failed more times than the guy at the bottom has started. Say failure was good for me. Properly processed failure, watch this, isn't the opposite of success. It's the main ingredient. Properly processed, thank you, sir. Properly processed failure isn't the opposite of success. It's the main ingredient. So for all y'all got your recipes this week, while you putting that, put a little of this, and you know some of y'all, you come from the South, where we don't have recipe cards. We have painters. Four pinches of this. Don't ask me what a pinch is. It is different than a pinch. I think it's like three fingers is a pinch and two fingers is a pinch. Is that? Okay. That's what I'm going. Now, uh, uh, say failure is fueling my success. Say I needed to fail so I wouldn't be arrogant. Say I needed to fail so I wouldn't be prideful. Say I needed to fail. So I discover it's not the end. Say, I needed that to be successful. Watch this, which brings me to the second point. Properly processed failure focuses you. Properly processed failure focuses you. Mm -hmm. See, you'll stop paying attention to what doesn't matter once you fail. Got quiet there. You'll stop paying attention to what doesn't matter once you fail. See, when you're in the middle of failure, you can't be everything to everybody. It's quiet. When, when you go through a failure, you're going to learn who's with you and who's around you. Don't, don't confuse everybody that's around you as people being with you. A lot of folk were around Jesus. Not everybody was with Jesus. Matter of fact, you ever, uh, sometimes you ought to thank God for failure because it reveals the motives of the people around you. See, everybody can get with you when you're on top, but not everybody can roll with you when you're in the valley. And you ought to thank God for the people that stuck around while you were in your valley. Y'all not saying nothing. You ought to thank God for the people who didn't throw you away while you were in a... Watch this. Bishop, how does it focus me? Watch this. Because many times when you, when you, when you begin to analyze failure, now we're going to get real technical here. Say, I got to analyze failure. I got to process failure. Okay, so now properly processed failure, it focuses you. It means I'm paying attention to the right thing. See, watch this. When I process failure properly, what I end up doing is doing what the prophet says in Haggai, I consider my ways. I look at how I've been doing stuff. Because when you really begin to properly process failure, you say it's not your fault, it's mine. Say, I accept that. See, you're not ready to properly process failure as long as you believe it's my daddy's fault, it's my cousin's fault, it's my mama's fault, it's my sister named fault. No, 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 no. Stop the presses. 
is your fault. Accept it. Bishop, you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. You can't control what other people do. So since you can't control what they do, why are you letting what they do control you? Rewind, say it again. I can't control what you say about me, but I ain't going to let what you say about me control me. Y'all not saying nothing. You sitting up here trying to control folk that can't be controlled. Probably process failure focuses you. But what do you mean to focus me? Uh, because you begin, to, you begin to pay more attention to how you do things. You begin to not just be so, I just want to be spontaneous. How'd that work out for you? Uh-huh. Watch this. Proverbs 16, 3. We're going to get technical for a minute, and then we're going to shout. Commit, and you say, Bishop, why are we going to shout? Because uh, that failure was the best thing that could happen to you. Proverbs 16, 3. Proverbs, book of wisdom. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Check it out. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Here's what most of us do. We think some stuff, we go do some stuff, and then ask God afterwards why he didn't help us. God, I'm finna do this because I'm grown. I ain't ask nobody, ain't, ain't, ain't pray. I didn't even pray because I knew you'd say no. I just was hoping you just was going to just, just get me through it. Won't he make a way? Won't he do it? Mm-hmm. All right. Psalm 37. Can we be honest? How many of us have done that? We just do stuff and then later on be like, okay, God. Come on, bless this. And he's like, Mm-mm, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Mm-mm. Ooh, for now. Psalm 37.5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Notice the sequence. Commit your way to the Lord. Way. Commit my ways. Haggai says, consider your ways, which means I need to check how I'm doing stuff. I need to check what I'm focused on. I need to check what I'm paying attention to. And once I do that, then I trust him. Then he'll bring it to pass. Here's what we like to do. I'm going to do it my way. I don't trust you. Bring it to pass. How do you know I don't trust the Lord? Because you complain. I imagine this going different in my head. He complained like y'all supposed to be throwing chairs. We supposed to be doing a mannequin challenge by now. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, 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 you complain, you get mad, you backbite, you get angry, you get attitude, and you're like, I'm gonna lift my hands, but God need to hurry up. Wink at your neighbor like, you already know, you already know. <laughs> but what I love about him is even when we've done that, he doesn't give up on us. Say so he doesn't give up on us. All right, so it focuses you. It, it causes you to, to handle things differently, to plan differently. Then also, it, it, it causes you, when it focuses you, it causes you to make sure you seek proper counsel. Question, what counsel did you seek or did you decide all of a sudden that your decision-making skills dramatically improved? We're talking about properly processing failure, right? So you can't say the devil did it, Bishop. Hey, 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 hey. No, no, sir, that was you. No, ma'am, that was you. Now, here's what, here's what happens in life. We start doing good. And so then we're like, I'm just going to do my thing. I know, I know what I need to do. I know, watch this, I know what's right for me. I know what steps I need to take. So all of a sudden, you start thinking your decision-making skills have dramatically improved. I ain't picked a good husband in 20 years. I ain't picked a good wife in 20 years. I ain't made a good business decision ever. 
I know the right thing for me. Why y'all so quiet now? Ain't made a good auto loan purchase ever. You be getting loans and later on finding out you've been paying for four years and you didn't pay $4 off the loan. <laughs> a dollar a year. You don't pick no good friends. You find all the dysfunctional projects you can find and say, come on, be my friend. You don't want friends, you want work. You want projects. You want something to do. It makes you feel needed. So you find needy people. I know I am. <laughs> Watch church. Okay, I probably it's gonna be a little rough through here, and then it's gonna turn. It's like construction on a rapid hole road. We in that little stretch. I drive down a rapid hole road the other day. And they're having all this construction. And I got outside of my car and I looked at the side of my car. There was a whole bunch of tar on the side of my car. I know, that's what I said too. <laughs> I just felt awful. just felt horrible. <laughs> and, and so it was a little rough right through there. But, but, but then we got it off and I started to shout. What's the point? It's a little rough right through here. But then we're going to shout. Watch this. Watch this. What counsel did you seek or did you, side, did you decide all of a sudden that your decision-making skills dramatically improved? Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors, there's uh, safety. That's why God gives you a pastor. So that before church, that's why I was talking about expectation. So when you come into church, you got expectation. Every question you have will be answered through the message because you'll pull on an anointing. What's an anointing? It's a grace. Let me give you an example. There was a woman in the Bible with an issue of blood. She pulled something out of Jesus Jesus didn't intend to give. You missed it. That's why Jesus looked around and said, somebody touched me. And they said, well, all these people are touching. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody came around me with expectancy. These people came for a photo op. Somebody else came to, uh, to be able to pull something out of me. These people came just to be around Jesus. These people came just to be in the crowd. These people came for that. He says, but somebody around me pulled something up out of me I didn't intend to give. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Say, properly processed failure focuses me. All right, now I'm going to bring you this, to this third point and, and I'm going to do it a little different than I intended to do it. Say it was good for me. Third point, properly processed failure fortifies you. What's point number one? Uh-uh, come on church, come on church. Properly processed, now see I'm giving you these points so you can remember the points. Come on, properly processed failure fuels success. Point number two. Properly processed failure number two. Focuses you. Point number three, properly processed failure fortifies you. Y'all got it now? Some of y'all would do it like how you do in church and you're supposed to read a verse and you know the verse and you just be like, <laughs> you just start moving your mouth. Or you go to a scripture in the Bible you ain't never turned to ever. And so you're like, I cannot, I just, I just, I know he said Nahum. I'm just going to go to Esther and see what she's talking about. <laughs> Come on, y'all, don't do me like that. You know how you used to. Mm. And then you just close your Bible so that way your neighbor would stop looking because their neighbor was like, that is not Nahum. Who is that? Who that is? <laughs> What's this? 
Isaiah 26, 16. Watch this. Stay with me. Isaiah 26, 16. Now, uh, say it fortifies me. Say it strengthens me. Okay. All right. Now, watch this. Now, you see this. Isaiah 26, 16. Lord, in trouble they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastening was upon them. Watch this. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near to the time of delivery, so have we been in your sight, O Lord. Leave that person. Say, I've been in labor. Say, so Bishop, what you've been laboring for? I'm going to tell you. Say, the new me. You're trying to birth stuff. You're trying to birth things. You're trying to birth this and that. And God says, I'm trying to birth a new you. Because when you're new, you'll change what's going on around you. Watch, watch this verse. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, when she draws near to the time of her delivery. Touch your neighbor and say, that's why you've been so emotional. It's delivery time. God almighty, maybe they're shouting online. When she draws near to the time of her delivery, what does she do, the Bible says? She's in pain and she cries out. I'm trying to tell somebody the reason you ain't been able to control some of your emotions. Who am I preaching to? Is because you were giving birth to something. That's why you were sitting up and would start crying and couldn't explain it. That's why you were sitting up and going up and down and up and down and couldn't explain it. You're giving birth to a new version of yourself. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out in her pangs, the verse says, it says, when she draws near to the time of her delivery, so we have been in your sight, O Lord. Watch the next verse. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, watch this, brought forth wind. We haven't accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. God, dog. We just keep getting to the point where we think we're going to break through, where we think it's going to turn around, where we think it's going to change, and then nothing happens. We keep having failure after failure after failure after failure after failure, and it's not happening. But today, say, but today. Today is the day you get pushing this thing all the Say, I'm pushing it all the way out. No, you ain't got time to turn around. You ain't got time to be jacked up. You ain't got time to be messed up. Say, I'm pushing it all the way out. What are you pushing out? The new you you've been resisting. Mr. what do you mean? See, when you fail, you now develop fear. And when you develop fear, you're now scared of stuff you used to look at and say, that ain't nothing. You get scared of stuff. Now, now, if you get one little bill in the mail, now you're like, oh, my God, you used to eat bills for lunch. When you fail, now you're scared. You're scared to do stuff you used to look at and say, I don't even care. Have you noticed? Watch this. You got more going for you now, but you're more fearful now than you were when you had less. Why, Bishop? Because you failed and so you got scared because you didn't process it properly. But today, watch, verse says, verse says, I'm almost done. We have been with child. 
We've been in pain. But all we brought forth is wind. Touch the neighbor and say, stop passing gas. And you're passing gas because you keep eating all them greens, beans, potatoes. That's why. That's why. You name it. That's, that's what it is. Got to have fun in church. Got to have fun in church. He says, we've been in pain. And the trip about my pain is I ain't seen nothing for it yet. I can deal with it as long as I look at something that looks worth it. See, the Bible says that a woman, when she conceives, she conceives and she's in pain for a moment. But then she looks at the baby that she brings forth. And in that moment, all the pain goes away. Here's your problem. You like where the baby? Not literally. Where the baby? Where's the results? Where's the fruit? Where's the productivity? Where's the breakthrough? Where's 10? I'm sick of not feeling like I'm on 10. And here's why. Because you've not been properly processing your failure. Here's why. The failures were necessary to fortify you, to strengthen you. Up to this point, you weren't strong enough. See, let me, let me, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. It's amazing how people look at what you do and think they could do it. You ever, you ever had somebody do that and they're like, oh, that ain't nothing. And you're like, man, please. Try it here. <laughs> you know, you, you, ever, you, ever, you, ever, you, ever, you ever had somebody made it seem like what you were going through, what you were dealing with, oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, that's nothing, that ain't nothing. And you're like, okay, try it. And they try it for 10 minutes. See, I honor, I, I thank God for, for, for wonderful parents. And, and let, me, let me tell you why, let me tell you why. Because let me tell you something. I didn't spend a few minutes with children. I, I thank God for King's kids. You ought to put your hands together and thank God for them too. Let me tell you why. Because see, at my class, everyone be seated. No, Mr. Bishop, I'm going to play. Look here. I, nah, I didn't say it. Sit down. Nah, I'm not going to ask you no two and three times. You know, parents, how you have to do those talks sometimes when you go to the store? You have to turn around in the back seat and I look. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Don't go to the toy section. Don't wander off from me. Don't be picking up stuff and putting it in the basket. I'm being facetious. Here's the point. I'm done. I'm being facetious. Here's the point. Here's the point. Is that sometimes you, you, you don't understand the strength it takes to produce at another level. So you want to be on 10, experiencing the best of the best, yet you've been living on seven. Well, that means you're not strong enough to produce at 10. Why do we have school? Why kindergarten, first, second, third? Why do you have to qualify? You have to qualify from one level to operate at the next level to demonstrate that you have the strength to work at that level, to operate at that level. What you've been praying for, watch this, was so much more significant than where you were. You needed failure to give you strength to come full term. 
Say, I needed failure to fortify me. Now, now let, let, let me give you an example. Let me, let me give an example of this. In Joshua chapter 7, I'm done. In Joshua chapter 7, there is Joshua now. He's the militaristic leader that takes over after Moses. And he's just taken Jericho and he's getting ready, watch this, to expand his territory to a city called Ai. And it should have been an easy conquest. It should have been an easy deal. It should have been an easy accomplishment for Joshua, who at this point is used to experiencing success. See, it's one thing to fail having always failed. It's another thing to fail after experiencing success. Uh, David, when he fought Goliath, when he fought Goliath, uh, David now, he had no experience at success. So David now, when he's going forth, he says, I fought the lion, I fought the bear. He says, I don't have any experience at Goliath. I don't have experience at giants, but I've been prepared. But there was a second giant David had to fight. His name was Ishbibanab, and that giant was very difficult for David to conquer because David was tired. But watch this. David had a track record now. He'd been successful, so now he was scared to fail. You hear, church? So Joshua now, in Joshua 7, he now has experienced so much great success, it should have been an easy conquest. So, so much so he didn't even send all of his army. He only sent a few. It should have been an easy win, but something happened. The Bible says when they went up to fight that the men of Ai struck down 36 of the Hebrew army and the other 2,964 men, their hearts melted. Wow. How is it that 36 guys get struck down? And 2,964 guys say, I ain't even finna try. Let's go pray about this. Maybe God's telling us we ought not do it because it's hard. Maybe God's saying, I, I shouldn't do that because it's difficult. Maybe, no, 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 no. You need to understand God loves impossibilities. You need to understand God loves stuff that looks difficult. If it's easy for you, probably ain't God. It should have been an easy win, say an easy win. But something happened that had nothing to do with Joshua, nothing to do with Joshua's battle plans, but it was the deliberate disobedience of one of Joshua's soldiers. And he said, Bishop, what are you talking about? It fortifies me. Uh, I'm going to get there in just a moment. Joshua asked the Lord, why did this happen? Why did you not let us succeed at what should have been easy? And God's response to Joshua, watch this, was get up out of your face, get up off your face, because somebody in the army is blatantly disobeying what I said to do. This is what are you trying to say? He said, Josh, the reason you didn't win is because you were not fortified like you thought you were. You're not as strong as you thought you were. You thought you could depend on this one and that one, but you're not as strong as you thought you were. Y'all not saying nothing. Sometimes you overestimate your own strength because you've been so used to winning that you, you, you now think you can do more than you actually can. You ever gone to the gym? Now, I mean, let me finish the statement, though. You, you ever go somewhere like, yes, I have been, yes, I've been. Now, why are you always talking about the gym? Why are you always talking about the gym? Because it's an easy illustration, that's why. You, you, you've been to the gym, and, and you just knew, like, you walked in there. I remember I walked to the gym sometime recently, and I walked to the gym, and I remember what I used to be able to lift. So I walked right over there to it. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. You know, I'm trying to, you know, so no, we got to make sure your form's right. You know, I'm trying to you know, make sure your form's right and all this, all this. I go to attempt to lift. My arm says, mm -mm. nope, not happening today. <laughs> so I went from the bottom rack 
Y'all already know, to the top rack. And I went from the right side of the top rack to the middle of the top rack. I'm like, for real, 20s, 20s? 25s for real, though? Watch this. I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. You're missing it. Failure, when you process it properly, fortifies you. It strengthens you. But if you don't process it properly, you'll make, you'll cause, it'll cause you to have fear. So I went to the middle, started going. Then I went over to the bench. It's like, I remember what I could bench before. I get on the bench, load it up. Can I get a witness? Don't you be out here. I loaded it up. Give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Put that clamp on there. All right, good, good, good. Now load that up. Load that up. All right. It was one of them automatic ones, so, you know, I flip it back. Take that weight. Like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Jesus, be offense. Save me, Lord. I can't go out like this. Here's the point. Sometimes we think we're stronger than we are. And it takes failure, watch this, to reveal weakness. Sometimes you think you're emotionally strong. Sometimes you think you're an emotional gladiator. Sometimes you think you're invincible. And sometimes you need a failure to show you you're not all of this and that. That's why you need Jesus because in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. So Joshua, Joshua's in this battle and I'm done. Joshua, am I helping anybody? Joshua's in this battle, and he wasn't as strong as he thought it was. His, 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 his army wasn't as strong as he thought it was. And so God says, I need you to go, and I need you to find out why this happened. And so the story goes like this. They go tribe by tribe, tent by tent, to find out who did it. Eventually, there was this guy named Achan uh, that, that, that was responsible for doing something he wasn't supposed to do. They went up to fight the battle. Achan took some stuff he wasn't supposed to take. And because of that, God didn't let them win the battle. Joshua, watch this, was praying and complaining to God about why he lost when the reality is, is he should have let the failure fortify him. Meaning, let me go find out what in me is weak. Let me go find out, watch this, what around me is weak. Check it out. Sometimes the reason you fail wasn't because of you. It's because somebody in your camp. Y'all not saying nothing. Sometimes your failure is because people around you are poisoning you. They're saying stuff they have no business saying. And you're sitting up listening to it. Joshua failed not because of himself, but because somebody was in his camp. I preached the message, you got to get it in the series, Keep Calm and Bounce Back, that says sometimes your plans don't pan out because of LMAs, Lot's, Miriam's, and Achan's. A lot in his name in Hebrew means hidden motives. Sometimes you fail because you got people around you with hidden motives. You thought their motive was one thing to only discover their motive was another thing. You thought they was just real nice. You didn't know they was trying to holler. Y'all not saying nothing. Then Miriam's. Miriam means bitter. When you got bitter people around you and you start doing well, bitterness is poison. Miriam, her name means poison. It means bitter. You got bitter people. Why are you doing that? And when they can't control you with words, they use moods. 
They'll get y'all ain't saying nothing. Since you ain't saying nothing, we just gonna camp out right here. Y'all know folk that use moods to change stuff. They start sighing a lot. I have a no sigh rule. <sighs> Take all that up out of him. <sighs> sigh over there. Why? Because the scripture says your sigh is actually a spirit. I've taught on this before in the series Ghost, which means you're releasing stuff in my atmosphere I don't need up in here. Miriam, bitter people. You got bitter people? Oh, they're going to find a way to, to try to make you bitter. Miriam was bitter. She was bitter. She was mad. She was frustrated. So what did she do? She turned on Moses because he was bitter. Uh-huh. Lots, Miriam's, and then Achan's. Achan means deliberately disobedient. There's some folk you got in your circle that are deliberately just, no, I'm not doing it. Nope, not doing it. And sometimes your failure is because you had strength in people that were LMAs. You, your, 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 your plan was plagued because you had LMAs in your plan. But then sometimes the LMA is in you. Sometimes you you know I'm a gladiator. Yes, I am. I'm a I'm a man of steel. I'm a woman of steel. Is there anybody that knows this? And touch your neighbor. Say you are those things. And there's one sure way to prove it. Failure. The real you isn't the you when you're winning. The real you is the you you are when you feel like you're failing. Amen. See, when we win, we speak scripture. Can I get a witness in him? When we winning, people be like, how you doing? Well, the word of God says that he always leads me in the triumph. When you failing, look, dude, just do your work. <laughs> I'm going to do my work. I ain't coming to make friends. I ain't going to lunch. I ain't coming for all that. When you're winning, you want to be like, come on, let's just pray. Come on, let's everybody pray over the food together. When you're failing, you eating before everybody else's food gets there. Like, I you, you'll eat when your food comes. That is not my problem. When you're winning, you nice to everybody. But when you fail sometimes, do you change? Do you not speak in scriptures, but do you speak in other tongues that don't need no interpretation? Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about cussing. That's what he's talking about. Let's be honest, church. See, the sooner you're honest about it, the sooner you can get past it. Here's the point, church. I'm through. Joshua failed because he wasn't as strong as he thought it he thought he was in the areas he thought he was. You missed it. He wasn't as strong as he thought he was in the areas that he thought he was. So the failure helped fortify him. So the Bible says that he gets up off of his face and they go tent by tent, tribe by tribe to find out who did it. And Achan could have repented, but Achan tried to beat the system. He was unrepentant about disobeying Joshua's instructions that Joshua brought it up to him. Joshua said, Achan, did you do what I said not to do? Huh? Which means everything you finna say after that is a lie. Huh, it's time to think. Here's the point. 
Here's the point. They go, they go, they go, stay with me. They go, they go tent by tent, they go tribe by tribe. And as they're doing all of that, they get to Achan. And Achan looks at him and he calls him and he says, he says, son, he says to him, he says, why did you do this? He said, you cost us the, the victory. But the real lesson was for Joshua. You weren't as strong in the areas you thought you were strong in. And you needed failure to reveal that to you. Because sometimes when you get win after win after win after win after win, you get high on your wins. Come on, church. Any of us ever got high off our wins? Let's be honest. We get, we get high off our wins. And so now we're like, we're, you know, we're invincible now. You'll do stuff now because you're like, I'm winning. All I do is win. My hands go up and they stay there and they stay there hey, and all that. And I got greens, beans, potatoes, frog. <laughs> you name it, I got it. And you get high off your win. And sometimes you need failure to show you, no, this is weak over here. This is weak over here. You stop praying like you did when you failed. You pray cute prayers now because you're winning. Thank you, Jesus, for another day of victory. I bless your holy name, sweet father. Hallelujah. But when you was failing, God, I need, where, where are the people, where are the real people at? Well, you pray differently when you're in a failure. You don't pray cute little prayers when you're failing. You don't have cute praise and worship when you're failing. When you're failing, you don't care that the tears are rolling down your eyes. You, he says, so I, I just needed you, I need to show you some stuff because you, you, you got a little beside yourself. You stopped depending on me, started depending on you. You stopped praying, you stopped fasting, you stopped coming to church faithfully, you stopped giving, you stopped serving because you started winning. So you needed some failure to show you there were some areas where you weren't as strong as you thought you were. And if you don't process it properly, you'll sit up and be mad at God. But when you process it properly, you'll say, I could have did that different. Could have did that different. Could have did that different. I don't regret it. I learned from it. Say, I have no regrets. That's not how you say it when you have it. Say, I have no regrets. See, you did what you did when you did it, how you did it, because you wanted to do it. Here's reality, though. If you live in regret, you're going oh, oh to just torture yourself. Instead, what you got to say is, I shouldn't have did that. Should have did that differently. Now, I know better, so I can do better. Live, learn, live better. Say it with me. Live, learn, live better. Say it again. Live, learn, live better. One more time. Live, learn, live better. So here's the challenge I have for you this week. Say, what's the challenge, Bishop? As this year gets ready to draw to an end, uh, the calendar year, I want to challenge you to recall, then record the lessons of this year's failures to fuel your future success. We'll give it to you one more time. Give it to you one more time. Recall, then record the lessons of this year's failures to fuel your future success. You know what? You sometimes feel like I'm going through this again because you learned it the first time. You just prayed to get out of the valley opposed to exploit the valley. So you got to go through it again because you didn't learn anything from it. But say that's over. See, now y'all go whispering to me again. Say it like me to say, that's over. So here it is. Recall, then record the lessons of this year's failures to fuel your future success. Bishop, how should I do that? I encourage you to actually spend some time. I know for all of you who like to think in your head, that's nice, but maybe just write it out, type it out. 
thumb it out. Why, Bishop? Because I want to recall where I failed this year. Then I want to record the lessons. And watch this. It's not a lesson if you're blaming people. Mm, mm. It's not a lesson then, then, then you haven't accepted it. It's a lesson when you say, you know what? Sure, maybe so-and-so shouldn't have did that, but I could have did this. It's quiet in here. See, I know y'all want me to just tell you the Lord's going to do it, and he will. Won't he do it? But there's some stuff we got to do. And when you do that, here's where you're going to be. Back to Proverbs 24, 16, church. For a righteous man fall or fail seven times. Here's where you're at today and rise again. Now, I says, make this your verse for the week. Write this out. Put this on your computer. Put this on your phone. Do something with it. You got to see it. Got to see it. 4A, say your name. May have failed seven times. Here's where you're at. And rise again. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to do something with me. Say it's a prophetic gesture. Come on, talk to me, 1115. Say a prophetic gesture. Prophetic gesture is when you do something in the natural that is actually illustrating something you want to see happen in the spiritual. It's a prophetic gesture. Does that make sense? Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right. So, so and to prophesy or to make a prophetic gesture, it just means to declare. So when you do this, you're doing it in the natural because you're declaring it to happen in the spiritual. Everybody got it? All right. I want you to stand up. Now, what'd you just do? Rose. Now, I ain't trying to mess with your knees or your back, but just sit down. And just say, this is my knees. Well, get healed on the first Wednesday in December. We got healing service. <laughs> you got healing service, all right? Here's the deal. Bishop, I just feel like a failure. I just gave you three things about failure. Now, either you can hear that or you can choose to reject that. But for everybody that says, I accept that I failed, I accept I made some mistakes, and that's over. When you rise this time, I don't want you to just stand up casually. I want you to stand up like you're going to war for your life, for your family, for your finances, for your church, for your business, for whatever it is where you've had failure. I want you to stand up like you're ready to fight. Now, don't be hitting your neighbor, though. You waved all rights to do. Okay, no, <laughs> don't be hitting your neighbor. But I want you to stand up like you're ready to fight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, now, put that verse up. Proverbs 24, 16. Come on, verse. Four, say your name. May have failed seven times. Here's where you are. And do it with me. Rise again. No, you don't believe it. 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 Can we do it one more time for your for, for your haters? Can we do it one more time for the enemy? Be seated. Be seated. Be seated. I ain't messing with your back or your knees or your ankles. I know them ankles gonna go through a lot of wear and tear in the kitchen this week. I know they are. <laughs> Bishop, I lost my money. You gonna get some more? 
Bishop, I lost my job. God needed you to stop making it your source instead of your resource. Bishop, so-and-so left me. And I, what's wrong with me? Nothing. They just can't discern value. Don't be mad that they don't know value when they see it. Ain't nothing wrong. Bishop, I'm not doing as well as I thought I should do because you got arrogant. Bishop, I want to give up. In fact, this week, that was my plan. You shouldn't have came here today if that was your plan. God just interrupted your plan. Bishop, it just feels like I get excited and then I fail again because your excitement is based, watch this, it's based off of you thinking that somehow you don't have nothing else to learn. I learned everything. No, you should be a student. When you're a student, you don't get mad when you fail. When you're a student, you're like, oh, okay, I'll know next time. Bishop! They took the car. Get on the bus. Catch a ride. Get an Uber. Take a lift. Ask your cousin in for that Cadillac they got sitting out in the front yard they ain't use. <laughs> Bishop! My family is crazy! Well, he knew you were the only one that could handle him. So he sent you, let me remind you who you are. He sent you to be the interruption to the dysfunction in your bloodline. He sent you to be the curse breaker in your. Bishop, I feel like I should be further in my life and I'm not. Bishop, I feel like I'm failing. First, four, say your name. May have said all that stuff I just said. Here is where you're at. You ready for it? But they shall rise again. Give God a praise for your. Give him a praise for your. Give him a praise for your. Somebody holler, I'm rising up. Holler, I'm bouncing back. And say, I'm going to be better than I was. Shake hands with three people and say, you won't recognize me by next week. Say, because I'm going to be out of this valley. I'm going to be out of this pit. I'm going to be out of this failure. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. This week, whenever you feel those thoughts trying to consume you, get up out of your chair and stand up. Now, y'all been sleeping on me for the last 45 minutes. So now I want to say one more thing. They tell me this, that a lion, they tell me this, that a lion, that when a lion needs to gain its strength, watch this, when a lion's ready to attack, watch this, that a lion doesn't just sit, but the lion starts walking. Come on, cameraman. That the lion starts walking. That's why you ever seen on the African... On, on, on the African lions and on national discovery that when they about to go get something 
You, you ain't getting it. You ain't getting it. You ain't getting it. You ain't getting it. I dare some of y'all that are radical in them that believe this week everything's turning for your favor. Just get out your seat and just start. Yeah, it's a prophetic gesture. Show is some stuff is working for me. Some stuff is turning for my good. Show is I'm getting strength. Yes, I am. I'm being fortified. Yes, I am. I shall rise again. I shall rise again. Shall I rise again? Shall I rise again? Today. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.